Okay, hello. Welcome to episode two of King's or Sack King's Therapy Podcast. Sorry for watching that one. Um, with me today, Fong Legacy. Hey, yo. So uh, I'm Owen, of course. Uh, I'll be your host, basically, for this uh, podcast. Okay, let's get into it. So first things first, let's uh, recap the games from this week. Uh, Grizzlies. First game out of the All-Star break. Um, let me pull up the box score really quickly. Um, the big highlight, uh, Harrison Barnes, 32 points. Seven, mate, seven straight threes, I think, to start the game, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. Seven straight threes. I think had 30 points in the, in the first half, I think. Was it 30 points? It, it was a lot for uh, Harrison Barnes, in my opinion. It wasn't. Yeah, I didn't watch the game, uh, unfortunately. Uh, sorry, guys. Sorry for the listeners. I didn't watch either one of the games. I only got glimpses of them because, you know, my I was busy doing uh doing things. But uh, the basically, I believe it was he he didn't have that many points in the second half. But but because he made all those threes, we had a really big cushion for a while. And then, of course, in King's fashion. Uh, it, that lead evaporated, and we and Grizzlies had many chances to win, um, but they ultimately didn't couldn't close it out. Despite two really iffy calls towards the end that gave them six free throws, like in the final minute, it was not pretty. Oh no, it really wasn't. <laughs> uh, Fox had a pretty good game with twenty six points, nine of sixteen, a clutch step back three that should have ended the game, but you know what are you gonna do sometimes. Uh, Ken Bazemore. I, I'm, lo- I'm loving Ken Bazemore. You know, he he he's a guy that I think provides a lot of what uh, Ariza um, actually did on defense. Plus his, you know, very you know decent offense. I I don't love it when he drives, but you know he can at least dribble the ball. When when Ariza was here, um, anytime he dribbled the ball, I, I just I cringed. <laughs> Yeah, at least he's making his shots. He has a pretty high uh, field goal percentage at the moment. Yeah, which is a good thing. Um, mm-hmm. Next one, Buddy Heald. Next notable person, Buddy Heald. Ha- uh, 5 for 12 for 20 points, 2 for 6 from 3. 8 free throws, which is very, very rare for Buddy. He rarely gets to the line. Mm-hmm. Yeah, should so get that, to the line a lot more, to be he's honest. He's not really the drive. He's not good at drawing contact. He shies away from contact and kind of rushes his shots. It's kind of what I notice when he plays. Mm-hmm. Just one of the reasons why he doesn't shoot that many free throws. Yeah, you know, it's one of those things he can't work on. You know, plus his, you know, his, you know, subpart defense. If he can fix those two things, I think he'd be a great player. And I might actually consider, you know, not thinking about trading him. Not saying I would do want to trade him, but wouldn't be too mad if he, if he ever did get traded. Mm-hmm. Okay, mo- moving on to the Clippers game that happened today, early as hell, by the way, at twelve thirty Pacific time. Um, let me switch over. Uh, so. Um, Notable people, uh, De'Aaron Fox with 20 points, Kent Bazemore with 20, 23 points, leading the Kings uh, with a beautiful chase down block towards the end. That was nice. <laughs> um, another notable thing, Alex Len played. He's big. That's all I have for him. So, yeah. And uh, Brogdon Bogdanovich was really good this game. 20 points, uh, four, 4 for 10 for 3. And I prefer him to... 
not shoot so many threes, but you know, what are you going to do? Had a huge step back or not a step back three, but a, kind of a dribble handoff hit a huge clutch three. Um, I forgot the exact time, but he had a clutch three. Um, and also the lob that to Harry Giles that um, basically sealed the game. Oh yeah, that lob was beautiful. That lob was nasty. That's it. Just makes me so sad that we declined his option. I really, I really hope that uh, Harry does end up staying. 14, 14 points, twelve rebounds, big defensive plays. Stop Kawhi Leonard on on that final possession that essentially ended the game. So that'll be it for the recaps for the week. So only two games because uh, there weren't any games until Thursday. But next week, we will have three games coming up, uh, starting with Golden State and San Francisco on Tuesday. Steph Curry, I do not think will be back for that game. So as long as we don't kang this one up, we should win that one, hopefully. (laughs) Uh, And then Thursday, two days later, on February 27th, we'll be at Oklahoma City. I don't see I don't have much hope for us winning that game just because OKC's good. Love me some Chris Paul. You know, and then we close out the, the week Friday, um uh February twenty-eighth on a back to back at Memphis Grizzlies. Uh that is a game I think that is very much winnable for us, but you know, it is at Memphis and Memphis might be a little might be a little salty after uh after this Thursday. So they might be out for some blood. So I'm going to have them winning Golden State and winning Memphis and losing the, losing in Oklahoma City. What do you have for? Yeah, OKC has a very deep team and I think we will have a chance, but it'll be a close one for sure. Yeah, um we could eke it out. It's just I you know like the last time we played them, we got smoked <laughs> by the trio Chris Paul, Shea Gilgis, and, uh, and Schroeder. It's just, it, it, yeah. Well, if we can somehow figure out how to defend that lineup, I think we'll be good. But, you know, t- t- trying to be optimistic. But if we can't stop that lineup, I don't see us winning that one. Okay, so uh, moving on to the next topic. Um going to be talking about uh, updates for Bagley and Holmes. Um, So a medical report came out from uh, Marvin Bagley this week. He is going to be reevaluated in three weeks. Uh, Word is that he started doing some, I think, light workouts on the court. Um, He's he's been out since, uh, uh, Lord, I don't don't even know when he's been out, but he's been out Mm -hmm. for a while and uh, because of that sore foot and I hope he does. I do hope he comes back. Although I wouldn't be too angry if he doesn't. You know, it's a foot issue. So and big men and foot issues. Just you know, rest that thing. Make sure that thing is right before you come th- come back. It's pretty funny because I was in King's Reddit for uh, during the Marvin Bagley injuries, and a lot of people were pissed about how the uh, medical staff didn't release a medical report about him. Mm-hmm. And once they released it, a lot of fans were pissed at about the medical report, regardless. Anyway, well, like I would be pissed just because, like, a lot of us just wanted to know because mm-hmm. there was a, a good portion of King's Twitter, you know, the very much more, much, you know, much less sanitary uh, social media place. Um, they were crapping on Marvin because they thought he was soft. They were calling him Marvin Glassley, calling him Charmin because he's soft. You know, I think. Of course, I think that says more about the Twitter people than it does Marvin, but it does create that narrative. And I imagine it's very annoying to hear if you 
to hear this kind of crap when uh, you are Marvin Bagley. You know, you're actually trying to work hard. You know, you're, he seems to be a good character guy. And, you know, having people question him like that, it's, it's very annoying. And I can understand why, you know, and I don't think the Kings handled this one well. Why not just, re- why not just release the information? Mm-hmm. Uh, in terms of uh, Rashawn Holmes, um, there is no timetable where he'll be back. He has a torn labrum, and he might need surgery. And if he does need surgery, he's out for the rest of the season. There is no, currently, we don't know when he'll be back. I mean, currently, we don't need him, per se, but it'd be nice. Oh, to I think, I think we're going to need him soon, because we don't have really big guys. I just said Alex Len is big, and that's <laughs> nice. Like, don't get me wrong, but, like, mm-hmm. you know, we need, we need, we need Rashawn's energy. Uh, moving on to uh, free agents and uh, trade candidates. Um, this will be focusing a little bit more on the summer. We're going to be moving on to the draft and other stuff uh, after this. But uh, free agents to kind of look out for. The only one I can really even come up with, because we don't have that many ca- much cap space, uh, I'm very much focusing on getting some sort of another wing. You know, Ken Bazemore and Harrison Barnes are nice, but I think we do need a backup. And whether we do that through the draft or we can do it through free agency, um, there are options. We can probably get some uh, minimum guys. Although the one guy I've kind of focused mostly on is Justin Holiday. Uh, currently, he's on a minimum deal. Or a minimum deal? Let me check real quick. Uh, four million. Um, Ooh, four million. Crazy. Maybe that isn't a veteran minimum, but it's not. It's not exactly all that much money. But he's on a one-year deal with Indiana right now, and he is unrestricted in 2020. Hmm. How is our cap space currently? Uh, so I still have not figured out how to read the cap space sheet. Uh, just assume we don't. We're not good. Uh, as far as I can understand it, we don't really have that much cap space to work with. We're going to primarily use that to re-sign, uh, re-sign Bogey, and probably going to re-sign Ken Bazemore. I would, I would love to for them to re-sign Ken Bazemore and even Alex Len. Again, a guy that's big and can play a little defense. He's very, as far as I know, he's solid defensively. Moving on, let's just see. Um, so our cap space, for the most part, don't have that much, because uh, mostly we're using that to re-sign Bogey. And, uh, and hopefully the rest of it, we can use it to re-sign Bazemore. I think we have his bird rights. We do, oh. we have some wiggle room, but we oh, don't. Yeah. Oh no, <laughs> I'm not too sure, I have to check myself. Yeah, so it, I hope we can re-sign Bazemore and, you know, Add, you know, add Justin Holiday on a minimum or maybe a mid-level exception because if we go over the cap a little bit, you actually end up getting a few exceptions, like mid-level exceptions and all that stuff. I don't know how the specifics work, but that's just the general idea of it. Sorry, guys, I'm not a cap, cap expert. Um, so another, so a trade candidate we can actually work with um, from the same team, the Indiana Pacers, there's a lot of talk about um, Miles Turner not being all that happy with his role because with the emergence of Demonis Sabonis as an all-star, um, he's had to kind of defer and actually kind of play the five. And DeMontis plays the four because he's kind of, you know, he's six nine. I'm not saying he's small compared to me. I am five two, so I'm not exactly one to speak. But, you know, he's a small guy, can't really play center. And so Miles Turner ends up having to play center. And Miles Turner also ends up being on the perimeter a lot because DeMontis needs room to work down there. So it's a, it's a situation I'm willing to monitor. And my my suggestion, and you know, I hate to bring this up as much as I do, we're probably gonna end up having to trade one of the 
not the young guys, but one of our core members. And I assume it's going to end up being Buddy to make to make the uh, salaries match. Yeah, I feel like if we do do that, we'll we'll have to. Uh, it's not a one for one trade, in my opinion. It will not. It will not be a one for one trade. It will be something mixed in there. Mm-hmm. Do you, what do you think uh, we would get in return? An an extra bench player, or maybe another pick. We probably won't get a pick from Indiana. Maybe second rounders because first round picks are so hard to get nowadays that I highly doubt that. We'll, that because you know, no disrespect to Buddy, but I do think Miles Turner is the, the ultimately the better player. And mm-hmm. when you are, and when if this trade somehow goes down, Miles, we're getting the better player back. So we, I don't see us attaching a pick. We might end up even attaching our pick to to it, and which I'm not really for because I feel like we need we should keep that pick to. Uh, and we'll talk about it more in the next segment. But I think we should use that pick to get uh, another wing because you know we do need an extra wing that can make back up uh, Harrison Barnes and also that can also back up Ken Baysmore if he mm-hmm. um, resigns with us. So Miles Turner is a power forward, correct? He, he we'll just call him a big man. I think he kind of switches around. Yeah, he's like a, he's like a forward, but it's like between small and power. Yeah, really tell. it's kind of it's kind of weird because he has a he has a he he can actually shoot is the thing. Mm-hmm. He's very, he, he yeah. can shoot and he can post up. He actually has that a beautiful post game. I just don't see anymore. Although I haven't watched that many Pacers games, I'll admit so. If we do get Miles Turner, what position do you think we'll put him in? We are putting him at center. Center? Because Marvin Bagley, from what I hear, mostly wants to play the four. And it's kind of one of those weird trends that I don't like about young big men. Like, they always say, like, oh, I don't want to play the five. I mean, if you play the traditional five, of course, a lot of the newer players probably won't like that. Yeah, because it it is a, it is a tough position to play. You're constantly banging with like say, for example, a Robin Lopez. You know, a thick, mm-hmm. you know, a big a big boy. You know, like you're you're constantly banging with them, and that kind of wears you down. But there's so I think there's so many advantages to being a guy like Miles Turner, a guy like Marvin Bagley, where you're so fast that you you know that look that strength that you give up. I think you know. Po- <clears throat> the speed and I guess the speed, the benefits from having so much speed far outweigh you know the lack of strength that you have. Mm, I see what you mean. So that that's that, that's just an idea that I have. I highly doubt it will go for that because again, uh, Buddy, you know, as good as he is, and as much as I do like him, I don't think he's better than Miles Turner by any means. Mm-hmm. And and you know, I think and, and Miles Turner is going to have suitors, and I don't believe that we have the best package. So we're going to be projecting, let's just say, Fox, Bogey, Harrison Barnes, uh, Marvin Bagley, and then possibly Miles Turner, if that ever happens. Yes. Hmm. That's a starting lineup. It's a pretty nasty starting lineup, I think. Mm -hmm. And have Rashawn Holmes as the sixth man. Ooh, ooh, so that actually might be the other the other player that might be going out is the thing. And oh boy, like you know that <laughs> that's not gonna go down well, with Kings fans. I know, we, yeah. Kings fans love Rashawn here, so. Mm-hmm. Okay, well we'll see what it turns out to be. It's something to monitor a little bit, but you know, I'm not gonna, um, I'm, I'm I'm not gonna hold my breath that this is gonna happen. 
I think we end up keeping Buddy unless he actually straight up for ask for a trade. Then then that's where things get a lot really tricky. Um, okay, moving on. Uh, we can talk a little bit about uh, Belly. Uh, so uh, Belly's contract is unguaranteed for uh, 2020, and unless unless we waive him uh, before the before June 29th. Uh, that contract will become guaranteed, meaning that it becomes basically an expiring contract that we can trade. That is a very attractive trade asset. Hmm. Uh, so my question that I want to ask you is that: Do you would you want to trade Billy? Oh, that's a that's a hard question because I, I actually like Belizea's game. Mm-hmm. Um, will he be part of the future of the Kings? I have a, I have a good he's, feeling he would be, but if we he's were... thirty one, I don't think he'll be. Mm. For... Yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, in a way, I gotta say, if we do trade him, I can't think of a person to trade him with. Yeah, that's the thing. I don't really know because he he's a bit trickier. I'll just see how the um. How the summer plays out, and how like maybe the trade deadline next year plays out, because he is a very attractive uh, a p- player because he's a guy that can clearly space the floor, can you know dribble, can pass a little bit, has an all-around game, and a lethal shooter. He's shooting over forty percent this year from three, mm-hmm. and so I think I think a lot of teams will want him, but mm-hmm. the asking price could be high because he's an expiring contract and. You know, he provides a lot of skills that can help a lot of teams, primarily playoff teams as well. And like, there was a lot of talk about maybe him going to the Sixers, but they just didn't have a guy to send back, really, unless it was going to be Al Horford, basically. Okay, no. (laughs) Which you know, I wouldn't mind too much, but you know, I think I think if if that was to you know that would have happened, it won't happen now, but it would have been Bogey and Bielitsa to make the numbers match. So yeah, I would not have been for that. Yeah, he has a pretty high contract, if I remember correctly. It's uh, I think it's like a near max, and you know, I do like Al Horford. I that number is going to be brutal in the next few years. So oh yeah. Okay. Um. So now moving on to Jabari Parker. Um. He did debut in the Grizzlies game. Had a dunk and two free throws. Um. I didn't watch the game again because I was just out doing stuff. Um. So I, I I don't really know what to think about him. Uh. I all I can say is that from what I hear, you know, a very offensively minded player. We're thinking about bringing him off the bench to give a spark, like to the be- to the bench unit, play him primarily with Buddy, and you know I think that's fine. But you know his defense is going to be an issue, and you and you know Buddy is not exactly you know all NBA defender level, so you know that could be a very very uh, volatile situation. Let's just say. Yeah, I gotta say, hopefully he uh, improves in the next few games because so far. I remember watching him back in when he was what in Milwaukee, and I thought this is a pretty good guy. But nowadays, it's like I want to see how he would fit in this team in his future if we do, if he does accept that player option. You know, my uh, yeah, I actually really liked him back in the uh, the series that they end up losing to Boston. Uh, 
was it the first year that Giannis broke out? Like mm-hmm. he he would post up and do quick spin moves and it was just a beast because you know he's he's a big guy for the most part, and you know it's just unfortunate that he ended up on the Bulls and just put just played the worst oh, version yeah. of him. It was just the worst version of the player that you would ever hope for. Um, but I, I do I do think he could be a help to to the team, especially a team that you know for the most part does lack a lot of shooting shooting and scoring depth. Mm-hmm. And um, I think if he can kind of just, you know, play, my hope for him, I guess, is kind of an Ennis Cantor role where he comes in, scores a little bit, and you take him out before his defense affects you. Starts to get really bad. But, but you know, we'll see what he turns into. I have hope for him. And, you know, he's on a relatively small contract. Uh, he has a player option next year for about $6 million, And I, he, rumor is, he is going to opt into it. So, oh, okay. So we'll probably we'll probably he'll probably be around. I'm actually more for keeping Alex Len if possible, just because again he's big, and our mm-hmm. centers keep getting injured. So, you know, we'll see. You okay, think- let's. Uh, sorry, sorry. <laughs> uh, no, uh, but uh, do you think uh, Jabari Parker, in your opinion, is a little uh, chunky? Um, I don't. What do you mean by that? Like thick. I don't know. It, it seems like back in Milwaukee, I thought he would be a little more um, slimmer. But when I saw clips of him uh, during the Grizzlies game, it, he looked kind of husky in a way. Well, to be fair, he has been injured for a while, and you know, you know, there was talk about him on Twitter about like him being a little rusty, and he hadn't mm-hmm. played in a month, so you know that that's to be expected. Um, I, I I would just give him a few more games. He, he should you know start getting into shape and. You know, I, I my image of him is that a very kind of strong, kind of quick post-up guy that can score from the mid-range. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, moving on to the draft. So I'm gonna throw. I'm just gonna kind of give you a summary of uh, three players that I'm or four players that I'm really interested in. Um, that from uh, primarily from John Hollinger's uh, uh, article on the Athletic. Um, so. Uh, in this draft, I really am for the idea of drafting a wing that can kind of back up Ken Bazemore and Ken Bazemore and Harrison Barnes. And these are kind of guys that if things if the Kings kind of continue on their path, we're probably going to end up with the 10th pick or so. Um, and I feel these guys are, are projected to either go like late in the lottery or possibly be in the 20s. And some of and there is one. I believe the guy, I'm, I'll, which I'll talk about later, he might end up being in the second round. So uh, I think these guys should be what the Kings are looking for. Lord knows what Lord knows what the hell they're going to actually do. But okay, uh, first name I'm going to give you is Patrick Williams from Florida State. So uh, Patrick Williams, what um, what I like about him, or at least what I'm reading, is that six eight, lots of defensive ability, a, a, being able to guard multiple positions. And but and also a decent three point shooter at thirty three percent from thirty three percent from three and eighty seven percent from the line. Um, the his weaknesses is that he turns it over a lot and kind of just bulldozes into the lane a little bit too much. But great steal, great steals, a lot of steals, uh, two point five steals and two point nine blocks per hundred, which means they're kind of projected. But that's a usually a good sign for a college player that can be a good. Defensive player. What do you think? A free and D player would be pretty nice on the team too. 
Oh yeah, no, I think, mm-hmm. yeah, I think just a guy like what attracts me is guy who is tall and long, <laughs> and can and can possibly shoot threes. Of course, like there are a lot of it's it three and D is a very much fable term in the NBA, and it's kind of, like when you call a guy a three and D player, chances are he probably only does one and probably doesn't do either all that well. Mm-hmm. Uh, my my example is uh, Jay Crowder, so. Um, okay, next guy, uh, Paul Reed. Reed, um, so a six-nine forward, plays for DePaul. Um, he he can actually uh, def- apparently defend all five positions. Quick feet, really strong motor, really bouncy jump, meaning that he's you know got hops. And he's uh, he's projected to be a four, a, a, a power forward basically. Um, mm-hmm. But um, he's he's not a great shooter. He's kind of like a like a kind of a role player on offense. His dribble isn't great. Um, he's not good at drawing fouls, despite being a very much heavy, a very much a heavy. Uh, basically, he only shoots from the paint, really. Um, so not not great sign, mm-hmm. but good rebounder. Um, good rebounder, and you know a decent uh, percentage from the line at seventy six percent. And let's see what else. And basically, the only question is is that he doesn't really have a jump shot yet. But you know, a strong rebounder, a good defender, and um, you know, d- you know, a lot of potential on the offensive end. What do you think? So you're saying that his uh, free ball is kind of not there. No, doesn't doesn't even mention it here. Mm, and his uh, form is a little off. Uh, not, doesn't say that specifically, but it's not. A, he's not a guy that's very offensively. He's not a first option on a college team, so th- we shouldn't expect him to be more than a three and D player, probably, mm. uh, when he's in the NBA. Of course, he can, uh, of course, improve, mm-hmm. but you know, for at least for the first like year or two, you're not going to expect you know Jimmy Butler, basically. Yeah, which is the uh... comparison here, hilariously enough. I'm not too sure with him. I mean, we could always take risk, of course, but kind of like um, how we're doing right now, I feel like we would want a player that would be pretty fresh out of college, ready for the NBA. And mm-hmm. right now, I don't know if he'll be ready for our team specifically. Mm-hmm. I feel like if we're trying to do a playoff push, like let's just say next season, we would want that player that would uh, support our team well yeah that's what that's that's going to be tough like to draft because that we'll, we'll get into that later there's talks about us trading the pick for a uh for a player and that's actually that if if you're talking about put pushing for the playoffs and it's not a worse cho- it's not the worst choice to just trade the pick mm-hmm. for, an, for an actual player but this could the, you know these guys who can like I always think, like let's just say a guy likes a guy like um, Paul Reed, a guy who has who you say if he fixes the shot, he'll he'll be an amazing player. But the thing is, you know, I'm you know being a little pessimistic again. I try to be as optimistic as possible with Kings, but I don't trust us to develop his shot. That's why I kind of would be a little bit against drafting Paul Reed, Patrick Williams. I am actually more. Uh, 
more high on just because he seems to be showing signs there and mm -hmm. you know and i think he can i think he can kind of you know figure it out on his own you yeah. know without the king's help and or whatever help they can offer yeah but by what i'm hearing from you and of course the athlete it, it sounds like patrick williams and paul reed are in a way similar in terms of their defensive play style where they could guard all five positions mm -hmm. but one has a slightly better offensive than the other so yeah if i had a choice between the two i'd probably pick patrick williams okay all right uh third th third guy is killian hayes so he's a guy that um from what i'm reading is a really good feel for the game mm -hmm. um however average athleticism and let's just see. And he's not a great three-point shooter, but again, that great feel, great passing. Um, a lot of guy, a lot of pe draft people are really high on this guy because you know that you know you can't really teach feel, I guess, in a way. And a great passer, and he's he's still young. He's uh, I think he's I think he's just turned twenty. Wow. And yeah, yeah. He, he looks young. <laughs> Yeah, so he's a guy I would look look at if we do end up with a high pick. I don't think he'll end up with us just because chances are we're not ending with a top four pick. So because we have a four percent chance, you know, if you want to really want to bet on that, I don't know. <laughs> I, I wouldn't. I really wouldn't. Basically, mm -hmm. is what I'm gonna say. Uh, okay. Uh, not, not sorry for not much uh, analysis on Killing Haynes. He just seems to be a guy with good heel. Good feel, good feel. So, uh, next one is Elijah Hughes from Syracuse. Um, so, he's a six-six wing, good, a good shooter, can create, create a shot, and can also apparently um, block shots. Apparently, ooh, good defender, huh? A decent defender. He's not really a. There's not a lot of highlighting his uh, three-point. It's not a lot of. Um, there's not a lot of highlights for his defense because of how Syracuse plays. Because Syracuse plays zone, mm -hmm. and it's so hard to determine whether they are good defenders. Although this, the track record from Syracuse isn't great, just because because they play only play zone, a lot of players just don't learn how to play defense, and they get a lot of bad habits put into them. But he's a player that is um, shooting 35 and 35.4 percent on three. However, they're deep, they're contest. A lot of them are contested because ta the team isn't all that talented. So there's a lot of uh, potential there. Mm, I see. So that would be another guy that I would look at in terms of just like the physical build. I think a six-six guard that can create a shot. Again, um, we'll have to see if the defense can come because Syracuse is not. It's just not a good barometer. But however, the one of the benefits of uh, playing in the zone, you're very good with positioning. Usually, mm, ooh. however, yeah. again, however, again, the track record from Syracuse usually isn't all that good. Mm -hmm. so. Like, I mean, if it is true, that'd be pretty nice under like Fox's uh, passing and uh, hopefully playmaking. Yeah, so like he can probably be a, a decent spot up shooter and you know a solid, hopefully a solid defender. The the, the three the defense is going to be a question mark for the most part. Mm. Okay, so that's uh, so that's the four guys I'm kind of I'm mostly interested in. Um, however, all of that could just be for nothing because there is talks. Uh, I heard from Jason Jones on the Athletic on his uh, Kings podcast. We might just trade the pick 
for a player who can contribute to the team right away as we you know make this push for the playoffs this season and next season we're not going to do it now we're Mm -hmm. we're talking about next season sorry yeah so what are your thoughts on that i i don't mind actually because this draft class seems a little i guess a little lackluster in my opinion but uh, if we were to trade, let's just say, projected 10 pick, number 10 pick, who do you think we, we would like, get out of that pick? Again, if we're smart, <laughs> I really would <laughs> love Patrick Williams. Um, uh-huh. Elijah Hughes has, an, has a lot of question marks for me, but you know Elijah Hughes wouldn't, wouldn't be terrible. I think we do have a lot of second-round second round picks. He's actually projected to actually be drafted in the 20s or the 40s 20 to 40 so you know if you want to take that risk we can do it with the second round pick but another guy that you know the rj hampton is a guy that i'm kind of high on but he is a little small for my Mm -hmm. liking six five with a six six wingspan i I would like someone a little longer than that so Mm -hmm. um in terms of like plate yeah getting a player because when you whenever you draft a player Unless they're juniors or seniors, which I'm not sure. Let me see if Patrick Williams is. Oh, God. Sorry. Let me see. Patrick Williams. So he'll actually be the youngest American player in the draft. So he'll actually be a really young guy. So I assume he's not really going to be able to contribute as soon as he gets in, just because players take at least a year or two to kind of figure out to adjust to the game. So, you know, if we're making a push for the playoffs, I would like... I. Depends on who we get back. If we can trade the pick for a really good player, and I don't know who that player would be, is the problem right now. So mm-hmm. once it, once the once the picture kind of settles down, and there is a player that I really like, um, that we can trade for with the pick, um, that w- I be I would probably be for the pick more than anything, trading the pick more than anything. Mm-hmm. But uh, but as it is now, I'm not uh, I'm I'm high on just drafting a wing. Now, are you thinking that uh, we should fill in a spot that we really need, such as a wing player, uh, with that pick for a trade? Yes, I think it will happen. You know, <laughs> this isn't going to happen. Like a guy, like let's just say um, a, a guy. You know, I, I'll keep going back to him. Maybe Kevin Knox. Mm-hmm. Kevin Knox and uh, Frank Nittlekina would be interesting. Um, okay. Just like one of the, just a, a really good wing defender. Although I don't watch enough Kevin Knox film or Kevin mm-hmm. Knox uh, footage to really know what he is. Mm-hmm. But, you know, just a 6'9 guy who has potential. You know, why not? Um, okay. Uh, so we'll move on to just kind of news around the league. Um, so um, Kyrie Irving is... Uh, having shoulder surgery um, and is pretty much going to be out for the rest of the season. Thoughts on? Uh, I mean, I feel like the Nets aren't going to make it too far into the playoffs anyway with uh, KD out this season. And with Kyrie out now, it's like I would just look forward to the next season. I don't know how their cat space and re-signings or whatnot are right at the moment but that's what i feel like if i were to be a nets fan right now um 
yeah that's the thing like th this season was always kind of marketed as you know the the gap year kind of not in the same vein as the Gold golden state warriors because at first they didn't know they were going to get injured but you know like as long as kd isn't back you really don't know what this team is and mm -hmm. speaking of kd you've seen the videos looking real good <laughs> are, are we sure he's gonna be out for the rest of the season <laughs> I don't know, but with Kyrie out, I'm pretty sure like either he's gonna rest for the rest of the season, or maybe he will make a comeback, and we'll see how it feels to be uh, for him to feel in the Nets uniform. Yeah, it's 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 like I'm actually like, of course, I don't really like him as a as a person. Kevin Durant's online persona makes himself so unlikable, but then that just all, it almost to the point where it overshadows just how brilliant of a basketball player he is. And I always just feel for that. And, you know, um, and Kyrie, and my God, what a disaster of a season so far. I mean, don't get me wrong. When he was on the court, he was brilliant, but like mm -hmm. the ball stops, like people, it just seems like his teammates don't like playing with him because, you know, he's hogging the ball and then he's blaming his teammates for losing and, like, how they how they need to figure stuff out and stuff like that. Just a toxic guy to be around, it seems. Of course, I don't follow the team, but, like, for looking from the outside, it does not look fun being around Kyrie. And imagine, imagine the dumpster fire that it's going to be when KD comes back, I feel, just because, like, I feel like they're going to alienate like a big portion of the locker room, honestly. <sighs> hmm. We're just gonna have to see once they both come back and play in the same court. Yeah, it, I I'm actually kind of a proponent that I think the Kyrie Kyrie Kevin Durant pairing could work. I'm actually, yeah, I, I'm actually kind of an advocate for it. I could see it work, especially with the deep team that the Nets have at the moment too. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, I, I could see them going to the playoffs for another few years until, of course, they may leave. I'm not sure. <laughs> we'll see. Lord knows. Okay. Next topic. Uh, DeMarcus Cousins appeared on All the Smoke, uh, the podcast hosted by uh, Matt Barnes and uh, Steven Jackson. Pretty fun podcast for the most part. Um, mm -hmm. it's, it's fun listening to <laughs> just uh, Steven Jackson be salty, honestly. Like, <laughs> Anyways, uh, DeMarcus Cousins was on the uh, podcast, and he talked about um, the, the Kings trading him, Vlade trading him, and he wanted, and he really wanted to stay in Sacramento. And you know, I, I, you know, I, I really do believe him when he says that, because you know, he, I, m I remember the press conference that he did when, like, right after he got traded, and he cried on the podium, and you know, mm. about leaving, and you know, it was a very sad moment. I mean, it was heartbreaking as a Kings fan at the time, especially since I was a big Boogie fan. But, uh, man, I mean, at the time, it really felt like we just traded away the best player we ever, ever had for a bag of chips. It really, it really, it really looked like a horrific, like horrific trade because, mm -hmm. you know, Buddy Heel, we didn't know what he was going to be. And, you know, he's turned out pretty well for the most part. Yeah. And I think we got Omri. Ka no, we traded Omri Caspi yeah. um, <laughs> along with Demarcus. Yeah, and you know, like the fact that we thought that Buddy Hill was going to be, you know, the next Steph Curry. I'm, I, I remember just put face palming. I mean, to be fair, I think he's a souped-up version of, G of what JJ Redick was. 
Mm-hmm. Although, like, not as good of a, not as good of as a off, not as good as an off ball mover as a JJ is. But you know, he he, I think he's there mm-hmm. in terms of just the play style. But yeah, like he, like I'm look, I remember just reading through some stats on the, you know, some sometimes it, it's Twitter or Instagram, it just pops up on my thing. Boogie had some amazing stats, like some of the all time stats, like oh, while yeah. he played while he played Aaron, and we didn't win. He was a monster. He revolutionized that point center as well. Mm-hmm. And not only that, like he he played like a center, not like any of these centers nowadays, to be honest. And the thing is, like, you know, this is kind of the the thing that's frustrating about being Kings fan because we couldn't draft him. Well, I mean, we couldn't draft players to play around him. It was, we drafted Willie Colley-Stein, Thomas Robinson, and those guys. Like, what in the hell were we doing? (sighs) And we really wasted, and we really wasted him in a way. And, you know, you know. You know, like I, I was actually pretty sad when he moved along, but it, I think it was I think it was a a um, a breakup that needed to happen because we were gonna pay the man two hundred million dollars. Yeah, in my so, opinion, at the time, of course, he does deserve that type of contract. Uh, I mean, I don't, I I I tend to disagree just because like we still weren't winning, because and if you're gonna pay a guy that kind of supermax, you better be winning. Mm, yeah, that's yeah. understandable. And you know, unfortunately, like we don't get Fox without trading Boogie either. <sighs> so you know, like it, it, it was a breakup. I think that needed to happen. Mm-hmm. And you know, you know, you know, unfortunate, you know, unfortunate for Demarcus Kings actually kind of came out of that deal better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, after watching all the smoke, it it brought back a lot of memories, especially how you know Boogie talks with Stephen Jacks. Steven Jackson, right, yeah. And Matt Barnes. Mm. Yeah, Steven Jackson wants that smoke. <laughs> he, he, wants <laughs> to, he wants to bring up everything. Yeah. He's a, real, he's, a, he's, a real, he's a real G. He's an OG. Yeah, it's, it's pretty funny how they were talking about um, Frank Vogel and uh, Jason Kidd as coaches. And, uh, Jason Kidd, Jesus. What was that? I said J- Jason Kidd. It's just mm. Jesus. Uh, apparently, uh, was it Steven Jackson really doesn't like Frank Vogel? Really? Yeah. I haven't if, watched the full episode. I only watched like certain parts of it. Yeah, the whole podcast was a fun watch, or well, fun listen to. Uh, oh, so you haven't uh went up to the part where uh, Boogie uh did <laughs> made a joke about being waved because of that comment? Oh, jeez. Oh man. And that and that is a perfect transition to the next topic. He, uh, Demarcus Cousin was waived uh, for Marquise Morris, basically. Um, uh. Yes. Uh, so lo- there was a lot of <laughs> talk about, you know, what what his next move would be. I, you know, we you know we we have a group chat with one of our other uh, one of our other friends, and you you seem to really want him to come back to Sacramento. I I mean, I don't mind if he takes a veteran minimum like he did in previous teams. I'd take him back. I mean, it might, of course, that's also up to him. And I don't know how his relationships between Vlade and himself are at the moment. But if he's all in for it, I'm in for it, too. 
And well, yeah, if it, if it is, if that is the case, then sure. If they, but he has to, like, my thing was, I'm not really a proponent of bringing him back because, first of all, we would have to waive someone. And, you know, you brought up Tolliver, which wouldn't be the worst choice in the world mm-hmm. um, to waive. Um, I just don't see it working out because, as far as I, from what I hear, but the, last year in Golden State, he still thought he was a star. And, you know, maybe if he doesn't get injured, maybe he is. But, like, when you're next to Steph and KD and those guys, you're not really the star. And that tells me that he's not really, he's not ready to kind of let go of his ego in a way. Because he wants the offense to revolve around him. And if he's going to bring that back here to sack, I'm not, I'm not for it at all. But, in, but the scenario you pointed out, if he's willing to take a vet minimum, if he's willing to just be kind of be, you know, that veteran guy, the guy, the guy that kind of like brings that fire, I guess, mm-hmm. you know, be, you know, be that uh, veteran presence in the locker room. Sure. I'm all for it. Of, of course, there are just so many. I think there's a lot of hurdles um, just in the way because Vlade is the one that traded him. And from what I know, like, you know, Vlade didn't tell him personally, and he's still pissed about that. Yeah. And, now. As of right now, I don't think he's officially waived yet. Oh, no, he's been officially waived. Oh, was he? He is. Okay, ESPN lied to me. <laughs> oh. They said they were going to waive him on Sunday. <laughs> was it on Sunday? Oh, may- may- maybe. Maybe maybe it's not official so yet. I don't okay. know. That's <laughs> where I thought I read he yeah. was already officially waived. It's, it's until, possibly until... Uh, Markeith Morris uh, signs the waivers and whatnot. Okay. Um, yeah, I'm not too sure if um, Cousins is also still currently under the team because he's still, of course, going through rehab under the Lakers. I don't know if he'll be considered kept around, and when he does become healthy, maybe also re-sign with the Lakers, but we're going to have to see if that happens, if not. We'll see. <laughs> My dream scenario for him is to sign with the Clippers because why the hell not? <laughs> but uh, yeah, um, you know, Demarcus Cousins really unfortunate for him. You know, just you know, at least be able to play for the Lakers, I guess. Um, yeah, um, I mean, it, I, it is what it is. I miss his play style a lot. It's been yeah, yeah. Like I didn't like in the Golden State year. I did not realize he was such a good passer. Oh yeah. I'm like, wait, what? Where, where was this? That point center. <laughs> yeah, I was just like, wow, I didn't know he could make make these kinds of reads. <laughs> and yeah, uh, so another thing, Sacramento kind of wasted. Mm-hmm. Decent ball handler, great passer, shoots threes. You know, a bully down low, but basically the best back to the basket center for for a good while before you know MB took that over. But mm-hmm. yeah, that's uh, yeah, that's boogie for you. Okay. Um. Final, it's like a final topic, just to kind of close the uh, this podcast episode. Uh, I just had a random thought at work. Um, I was just um, just kind of go- going through work, and I was for some reason, this kind of com- th- this idea for commercial just came in my head. Like, so I was like always thinking, like, you know, like th- this is how the commercial will go. There'll be like kind of like all these reporters like asking this player, basically asking. Asking like, hey, uh, 
we'll, we'll use LeBron as an example. Uh, but like they're asking LeBron, LeBron, it's a, it's a new age. It's a new era now. Like, how do you think you're going to fit in with this new pace and space and threes and where you're not really all that good at threes? And, you know, like, what, what are you, you going to do to adjust the new era? And LeBron responds back, I am the era. <laughs> and the, I, guess, I guess, you know, we can kind of figure out how the commercial ends, but uh, that's, how, that's where I would end it. It's like, I am the era. Will he be talking to a reporter or something? Uh, he'll probably be just, he'll just kind of almost look into the camera and just like, I am. Uh, that'd be funny if they brought like, New Day to say that. Or to oh, it's like... a nude. Oh, it's a <laughs> no. <laughs> that that wouldn't fit with the with the message though. But no. I think I think I just think that'd be a great pro- if I don't think NBA does promos before the season start, right? Mm, they, I think they do. They kind of do. I mean, I haven't watched too many, you know, TV to uh, see those type of commercials anyway. But you know, in that kind of vein, where they're like, it's essentially a WWE promo in a no. way. No, they're a little more professional, I believe. I just want to see it like that, because like they definitely have the budget to do something like that, and I think mm-hmm. that'd be dope. But yeah, and that 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 was just a random idea how that work. It's possible. I mean, oh yeah, it's possible. I wonder if the AW or WWE will catch on. I feel like yeah. they they'd help. Uh, maybe <laughs> that'd be interesting if AEW gets into that one, but yeah. uh. Yeah, that this is a random thought I had. Um, anything else you want to talk about, just real quick? Let's see. Oh, you mentioned about um, you thinking of uh, the Morris brothers swapping spots instead. So I saw a I saw a Twitter um a tw- a tweet basically. It was basically listing the strengths of. Let me see if I saved it, but it basically listed the strength of the Morris brothers and. Uh, so Marcus Morris is very ISO heavy for the most mm-hmm. part, and he's known to be a ball stopper, and and he's not he doesn't move off the ball that well, not a great passer, and ba- basically is kind of like a not a ball hog, but like kind of just a guy that just you know it's not a really a guy you want in kind of the Clippers' offense, in my opinion. Markeev, mm-hmm. on the other hand, is very much oh oh here's the chart so. Just so here, uh, Marcus Morris is has an A has an A rating in uh, perimeter shooting, off ball movement a D rating, one on one ISO situations uh, A rating, finishing F. Holy shit! Okay, role uh role, gravity as the role man, meaning like do people stick to you when you're the role man? He's a B minus. Playmaking at an F, post play at a D, <laughs> perimeter defense at a D plus. Jesus. Interior okay. C, offensive rebounding uh, C minus, defensive rebounding B. Markeith, on the other hand, Markeith, on the other hand, a B minus in perimeter shooting, B plus in off ball movement, uh, a B rating on one on one, C in finishing, uh, roll gravity, uh, B plus, playmaking uh, B minus, post play A, a minus. Uh, perimeter defense C, interior defense C plus, offensive rebounding an uh, F, but uh, defensive rebounding at a B. And now repeat all that back to me. <laughs> I'm kidding. No. Uh, basically, <laughs> basically, the gist of it is that um, Marcus is um, pr- probably the overall better player, better, better scorer, better one-on-one guy. 
But Marcus Morris fits in a team setting way better. Hmm. My opinion. But like that that's why I thought he would fit on the Clippers better. And I think uh Marcus would fit on the Lakers perfectly. Mm, I see. So that was uh, also my thing. Um, yeah, that was the only thing I had about the... Uh, it would be pretty funny if this could happen, because like, I think it would be a lot better. Honestly. <laughs> I mean... <sighs> yeah, this is, a, this is a rant, huh? Can it happen? Can, they can't no. really trade one for one anyway. No, and you can't do trades anymore anyway, so... Yeah. yeah. But, uh... Yeah, and another thought I had. Um, so I was listening to, uh, I think it was, oh no, it was a uh, back-to-back back-to-back podcast um, on the Athletic. I'm, and I know I mentioned them a lot. They, I listen to them all all the time. Mm-hmm. But basically, the idea the idea of making the playoffs over over tanking as opposed to tanking. So. The idea is, although he was specifically referring to the Pelicans, so basically someone um, commented on one of his posts basically saying, like, you know, Pelicans should just tank. What the hell is the point of making the playoffs only get swept by LeBron because you would just make the eighth seed? Mm-hmm. And basically they were saying, basically the, the um, Zach Harper, the host of the podcast, basically made the point is that, you know, t- even if you don't, even if you don't make the playoffs, even if you don't make the playoffs, you get such valuable experience that it'd be it'd definitely be worth it to just try and make the playoffs because you set the culture, you set a tone, you teach the young guys how mm-hmm. to uh, how to basically how to play in high pressure situations. Mm-hmm. And even if you don't make the playoffs, just going on that playoff chase is the playoffs. Because you're playing at such a high intensity where every game matters for for you making the playoffs, and that kind that kind of um, that kind of experience is invaluable. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, like yeah. you, we can apply that to the Kings in a way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that'd be a nice mentality to keep for years to come too, especially such a young team like uh, we have right now. Yeah. So, like you know, again, there there isn't that much. I guess incentive for us to tank in a way because even if we lose all our games for the rest of the season, we still would be we still would not have a great chance of getting the the a top four pick anyways. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which where most of the great players are being picked anyway. And it's kind of a and you know it's kind of an iffy draft at best. Honestly, you might be just better off picking a ten anyways. Yeah. And so, like that—that's why I'm very much anti-tanking. Other than the fact that it is a pain, I imagine it would be painful to watch. <sighs> yeah, of course. I—I I, I really want to see the Kings try because if we do have that tank mentality, it's just sick and tiring. We've seen that for I don't know how many years, to be honest. And, and yes, it's a very selfish thing of us to maybe think about that. Like we should just, you know, possibly f- play for nothing. Mm-hmm. Like in like on the surface, yes, but like we, f- but the fact that we finished so weak last year, mm-hmm. we went nine and sixteen and basically played ourselves out out of the playoffs. Yeah, and so you know the ability to actually play, like to actually be able to play well when it matters, I think is just so much. It, it, that there there is intrinsic value in that, and I think it, it's just great for the development of our guys. 
you know, I know Buddy and Bogey are kind of old, but you know, there's st- it. They, you know, they still have their primes. They're still in their primes, mm-hmm. and they can kind of build off of it until they turn in their mid thirties. Hopefully, that will become the trend for here on out. Yeah. So that that's just that's just that that was just a, a quote that I thought was just very, very insightful, and definitely something I um. I definitely love about Zach Harper. He gives a really good in, good insight. Uh, if you ever do have a chance, just you know, go on Apple Podcasts and uh, follow the back to back basketball buds. Uh, I think the, although they have a lot of podcasts, just uh, the school in back to back, and it's an orange uh, background. If you don't have a subscription to the Athletic, you can mm-hmm. find them on Apple Podcasts. They oh. do not sponsor us, so don't worry. This is <laughs> me doing it. Okay, so that that's all I have. Um, anything else you want to add on to it, or I mean... we'll just end it there. We'll just end it here then. <laughs> yeah, it's been like what ten minutes of talking from Marcus Morris. And, you know, just it's just something you know yeah. interesting to kind of go off of. Mm-hmm. All right, well, thank uh, if you guys, if anyone's actually listening, thank you, <laughs> and thank you for sticking with us. And we will be back next week. Hopefully, uh, Kings go two and one. Oh. Uh, you guys have a great night. Yep. See you later.